0: All you have to do is look across Munfield to our basketball arena, and you, you see how championships are made.
1: Players play, tough players win. It's downtown breaking with the basket up, and it's in! Yeah. Defense by Michigan State is unreal right now. Dawson, out to Harris for a three
0: ball, he got it! good, it's good! You're listening to Impact Sports
2: Radio, and this is the Impact Zone with your host Andrew Hayes. Hello, and welcome to the Impact Zone. My name is Andrew Hayes. With me, as always, Blake Froling. Hello, Blake. Hello, Andrew. We have some very exciting news, uh, loyal Zone listeners. Blake and I, in two weeks, are taking the show on the road, quite literally. We are headed out. To uh, Navy in Annapolis, Maryland. We're going to cover the first regular season game. Quite exciting. It's pretty exciting. We're moving up in the world. Yeah. I mean, once we get people to uh, comp our travel and food and lodging, we'll really Mm. be in the big leagues. But I think this is a good step. Just Mm -hmm. the fact that we get a press pass out of town, it shows that clearly no one is listening to our show or they would not let us anywhere near their stadium. Oh, of
0: course. We'd be banned instantly so
2: that's good uh we we may be flying under the radar but at least we're still getting into games for free and mm-hmm. uh, i think when it boils right down to it that's all that matters uh so we are now well what are we five days five days four, technically. four days four days okay Uh i see i get confused once i have to compute the days once the months change i don't know uh Anyway, four days according to my lovely co-host. Actually, you are now officially listed as the host of uh of Impact Is Zone. I did I really? not know this. Yeah, last Wow. Last week you and I were both the hosts of Impact Is So now we have that clarified. I think we had a little uh confusion about that a couple weeks ago. But once again, now that we have completely and totally derailed the show, mm-hmm. four week or four days, four days from the beginning. Of the exhibition season, at least, against the Masters College um, and the legend, Russell Bird. Uh, so in preparation for all of these events, there's, of course, several things that go on around uh, campus. The first of all being uh, what was formerly known as Midnight Madness, now known as Michigan State Madness. Blake went and covered that uh, for me last Friday. Uh, how was that, Blake? I know you did a write-up, did a great job on that piece.
0: Thank you, sir. It was quite entertaining to go to. I think, first of all, it was appropriate to have the name change because I was back in my dorm at midnight. So calling it Midnight Anatinous really isn't accurate, <laughs> especially when, I mean, I get the point a couple of years ago when practice would actually start mm-hmm. on midnight, when just when they could actually, then they'd actually practice. But, but now since the date's been moved up a couple of weeks, this is really just more of a pep rally more than anything. And uh I noticed a lot of uh beat michigan references. They were playing the uh video of the game from last year on the scoreboard, the football game. And Oh, that's
2: right. That was the Friday before Michigan. Exactly. So
0: <laughs> mostly it was just a uh a Michigan Pepper Alley. Uh but it was a lot of fun of course. Uh Susie Merchant looking fantastic as always. Uh she came out in case anybody listening didn't see the video of it. She came out as Beyonce, and uh, need I say any more?
2: I read your write-up, and I saw that, and I was incredibly jealous. Um, Once again, I have a massive crush on Susie Merchant. It's nothing nothing gross. I don't mean to be weird. I just find her to be an attractive woman, and I think her dressed up as Beyonce would have been fantastic to see live and in person, Mm -hmm. but... uh, I was I was working, man. That was such a drag. I was really bummed, super bummed as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Once I found out that that was on the schedule, but uh then uh then coach Izzo made his appearance and the pictures that I've seen are horrifying. What was your <laughs> reaction? First of all, you can you can say what what he uh, came out as, although I'm sure everyone already knows. Um what was that moment like?
0: Well, I think it was a little bit of shock little bit of I don't know it was it was kind of hard to describe seeing him come out of a a bus looking like another member of KISS with a KISS cover band playing at the same time Um, it was it was almost yeah it was comical it was it wasn't one of those epic moments where he gets shot out of a cannon or Gerard Butler comes and yells at us but it was it was more comical than anything especially when he gets off the bus and almost falls down <laughs> since he's wearing those giant platform shoes and gets the uh the trusty accordion out and uh starts playing on that one so and then for the, the he he was on the stage for two songs actually right. and the second song like they gave him a guitar but yeah. I mean he didn't move his hands the whole time I mean, even Britney Spears can do a better lip-syncing <laughs> job than that. But, you know, it was it was entertaining. Really, I think, got him out of his comfort zone. Not really a guy you would see doing that at all. But I think the best part was uh, the video leading up to him walking on stage. I was
2: going to say, that's, that's what I really wanted to see because imagining a, a video of just recreating him and Mariucci in the dorms is hysterical
0: it was it was it was hysterical they they both did just a phenomenal job on that mooch they both had the giant mustaches of from the 70s mooch did a great job on it it was <laughs> it was just hilarious to see them back together as you can say but <laughs> yeah overall it was a really fun night and uh then they scrimmaged after all of that and of course, that could lead us to go to conclude to wild conclusions. But <laughs> with with about five minutes left, the band started playing while they were playing. So that's when you're just like, okay, yeah, this usually, literally means like nothing.
2: Yeah, I,
0: I that was the my
2: big thing last year. I remember from Midnight Madness was like, okay, all I can do is look at guys' fundamentals and mechanics and try to figure out if Brandon Dawson can shoot the ball. That was literally how I was looking for. Just try to break down how people look, not necessarily how many points they score, how easily they get to the bucket, stuff like that, because it is a scrimmage. And as much as these guys are probably going to go in that situation, they're actually probably going to go pretty hard because they want to show off in front of the home crowd. And even though it is their teammates, they want to, you know, mess them around a little bit and and show that that they deserve to be a starter over whoever it is they're they're playing. But at the same time, it's something to to keep the fans entertained. And it's 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 almost a a globe trotter's performance, mm-hmm. only with better competition on the other side of the ball. But uh yeah would there uh there are any other takeaways?
0: well, they also added a new wrinkle to it this year where they had kind of a would you say a celebrity shooting game, oh oh yeah, 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 where yeah. they brought back some former players that was entertaining to see. they brought back guys like uh. Travis Walton and uh, Drew Neitzel was there. Uh, I saw Steve Smith, but he didn't shoot. A couple other guys. And let me tell you, Drew Neitzel, man, he can still shoot the rock. (laughs) I don't think he's in basketball anymore, Europe or otherwise, but, man, he was just sitting out in the threes. This one ball boy was feeding him. He was just draining it, and he was just wearing jeans and tennis (laughs) shoes. I'm like, man, if only he had one more year of eligibility, he could really light it up still.
2: Drew Neitzel's that guy that you're playing at the IM, and you're like, ah, all right, I'll take that guy. And then it just turns out mm. that he just reigns. Yeah. Oh, man. That, okay. It, that, oh, man. I don't know if I would have rather seen Susie Merchant as Beyonce or Drew Neitzel shoot again because both of those things are fantastic.
0: Mm hmm. But did I mention that Susie Merchant was wearing very tight leather pants?
2: Well, that's, I see, when I hear Beyonce, I just assume risque. Yeah. But, you know what, ah, man, I miss watching Drew Neitzel shoot. Like, that was, and I wonder, because back when he was here, I was still a young one, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't understand what a good jump shot looked like mm-hmm. because I hadn't watched enough basketball. I pretty much exclusively watched the Bulls. And Michigan State um, I know what Jordan, I knew what Jordan's jump shot looked like back then but yeah I, it didn't didn't really mean much to me so now I think oh man yeah I'd, I would love to see Drew Knights shoot again I'm upset that I missed that mm-hmm. So did so this was just like a shoot around thing or you know, it was kind of like they out?
0: do in the uh, NBA all-star games where they had a current player and a women's player and then a former men's player on a team. And they had two teams, and they'd shoot from different spots. And then they'd have to make a half-court shot. And one of the interesting things I noticed is Brandon Dawson, when it came to the half-court shot, Mm -hmm. he did not change his shooting motion at all. You know, (laughs) these guys were running up and chucking it. He was just stepping into it and getting (laughs) fingered – stroke down and everything it was kind of comical to watch because it would go so high in the air and the first couple weren't even like close but but after a while he got like really good rotation on it and he made i think he made two of them
2: maybe that's his spot that's his spot inside F4. five feet and outside 30
0: yeah that's that's basically all he can do right.
2: well at least we got that figured mm-hmm. out yeah man that uh that's a fun event I really hope they keep doing that. Mm-hmm. I know, like you said, they've it's kind of lost some of the luster because, you know, it, the rules have changed and and now they can start earlier, and it doesn't make much sense to have a pep rally that long before before the season starts. Mm-hmm. But um, it is a cool event, and I really I, I think one of the best things for me about it last year was it familiarized me at least a little bit with the women's team. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but the fact of the matter is there's just more people that care about men's basketball. Um, But I do think that it's important for the school, if people at least have an idea who who our women's players are and what our women's team is about and kind of where they're at as a program... And I think Midnight Madness is a good way of tricking people into finding that stuff out. Mm -hmm. Um, Just having Susie there and the whole team, just announcing the names, putting faces to names, and um, most of all, I always like the fact that they talk about the last season, what happened last season, uh, talk about how they're going to build on that or improve from that the next year. I think that's always an awesome thing um, that, kinda gets overlooked in the whole shebang because I remember last year when I showed up I was like, Okay, are the women doing something too? I had no idea. Um, because it's not really billed as that. The zone members are worried about getting their lower bowl for the men's game and that's all. And like I said, it is what it is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. That's that's just plain and simple the way that it is. Um but I think that's one of the coolest things that they do and But man, Izzo coming out, swear to God, the first picture I saw of Izzo coming out in a kid's costume, I was like, I didn't, I wanted it to go away. It really, it really upset me and just, it's not, it wasn't right. It made me, it made me feel weird. I I didn't like it at all.
0: But out of all the... Great coaches in college basketball, you know, Coach K, Roy Williams, Jim Beham, all those guys. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see any of them coming out as Kiss like Izzo could.
2: No, 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 no. Because Izzo does have that ability. And that's, what, I think that's really what's most impressive for something like that is like you got to, you agree to that ahead of time. And, I've been in those situations where you agree to do something and it's all fun and games. Like, heck yeah, I'm going to do it until you get like right there, ready to go. And if I was him standing on that bus, I would have been like, nope, I'm staying on here. You guys got this without
0: me. (laughs) Yeah, it was, I I don't know who came up with the accordion either. He plays the accordion. He plays the accordion. Yes. I, I was not aware of that.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's. That was screwy. But thank God he brought the accordion back to rock and roll. <laughs>
0: can we play like, can, that clip?
2: We, yeah. here. Here's – okay. So at Media Day, uh, which was yesterday, Tuesday, one of our beloved media members asked this question to Coach Izzo. Uh,
0: first of all, I think I speak for everybody when I say uh, thanks for bringing accordion into the world of rock and roll. I think that was yeah, long overdue. I appreciate that. Come on, dude. <laughs> like, I don't
2: I don't mean to make fun of any of the people that are getting paid to do what I do, cuz clearly they're doing something right because they have the job that I probably someday want. However, I feel like stuff like that is just so obnoxious. Like, you're not actually you're not gonna saying something like that might get a good, like, off the cuff, like I don't know. Mo- I feel like for the most part, Izzo's just gonna blow that off. Like it's not like you're gonna get a great sound bite out of it. No. Like I I I feel like the only reason you do that is to make the rest of the journalists in the room giggle.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind of a self serving thing to be like, hey, I'm the funny guy. Yeah. You remember me. Oh yeah, he asked the accordion question. He was pretty funny, I guess. <sighs> the funny guy needs
2: to pick his spots better. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing about the funny guy, is he knows <laughs> when to be funny. And that situation it was actually kind of kind of interesting though, the way that it would bounce back and forth during uh the press conference we've actually naturally transitioned into what I want to talk about next. So this is beautiful. Um, the The questions would kind of bounce from what's going on with your team, why aren't you going to win the Big Ten this year by a million games like you were supposed to last year, to, hey, you looked really stupid in makeup the other day. Like It, it was funny the way that it bounced back and forth between that because you could watch Izzo kind of try to – turn it on and off like okay I'm gonna be funny right now oh this question I gotta flip it back and be serious like it was funny to watch his brain kind of pinball back and forth but uh, yeah that one made me cringe I was like oh
0: man all right, fine but you knew you had to know it was coming come on you can't not make some kind of comment about that
2: I knew I knew something about the the Michigan State Madness was going to come up. But I I was hoping that it would be in a... You know, really, the the, the question that you ask, if you're going to ask any, is um, will the other members of your coaching staff be wearing makeup as well this year? Or how much grief have your players given you for that Midnight Madness performance? Mm-hmm. That That way you can, like balance the funness with like i don't know something that's actually interesting rather Mm -hmm. than congratulations on no thanks (laughs) uh so yeah michigan state basketball media day was yesterday um i forgot how much fun that is and actually this year it was about a million times more fun for me than last year because this year, I wasn't walking around with soaked underwear. <laughs> Last year, I, I realized it the, for the first time when I stepped foot in the Breslin press room. I walked in and I was like, okay, this is like home now. Like, I'm back. Like, I remember the smells, the people. Oh, good, he's still here. Like, you know, that type of stuff. And then, yeah, like, As soon as I, yeah, as soon as I set my stuff down, I was like, this is now a routine, rather than last year I walked in and I was like,
0: oh boy, look at all the cameras and the lights,
2: there's a stage, coach is always going to be here soon. Like that, that was wrong, and like, (laughs) if I could go back... My how quickly things change in a year is basically the way that it was. But, yeah, second time around is a whole lot more fun when you're not absolutely terrified of screwing up. Um, But uh, we, I mean, there was, Izzo talked about everything. Um, We're going to play some clips from it right now, kind of the uh, highlights from his opening statement, and, uh, and then we'll kind of move from there.
1: You know, I, I am excited to get started. It's been kind of exciting since last year, and I say that because it ended disappointingly. I mean, not many times did I feel we had a legitimate chance to do something special, and last year I did. Um, a lot of reasons why we didn't quite get it done, but the biggest one, we didn't play well enough in the best game. And uh, when you don't play well enough in the big games and it's one-and-done time, uh, you don't you don't move on. So. Uh, That kind of hasn't sat well with me all summer because I I really believed it was a year to not only get back to a Final Four, but I thought a legitimate chance to win a national. I don't know what to say to you on where we are. You know, it's uh, because I'm not sure. Uh, I know this, that we have uh, some good guys coming back, um, but I have questions about this team. I have questions about the league. I think the league right now has got six teams ranked in the top 25, eight teams getting votes. That's more than last year. You know, in Dawson, everybody knows that, uh, you know, down the stretch last year, he averaged 15, 15 and a half and eight rebounds. But throughout the year, he was 11 and 8.3 rebounds, almost averaged a double-double and shooting 61%. And it's because of shot selection, he's the most outstanding player of the Big 10 tournament. After the broken hand, you could argue that he might have been playing as well as anybody on our team for those next seven, eight games that he played in. I think he's had a great summer. He's improved his shooting some, but I think what we all talked about, and there's no secrets here, it's pretty transparent that motor had to keep running. And that motor's running at a lot higher RPMs than it was running. And if we could do that on a consistent basis, he's not only going to be a good player, I think he'll be a great player and have a phenomenal senior year, which he has to for us to be a great team. It all comes down to this, though. I think uh, Mark D'Antonio said it best using a quote from him. Um, to be successful, you need the seniors to have great years. Your seniors have to to rise to the occasion and have great years. You look at last year, you know, we had one senior had a phenomenal year, and in, in, uh, one senior that had a... Average year.
2: So you hear him talk about, I think, uh, you know, the stuff about Brandon Dawson having his best year ever. I think that's, first of all, I don't think it's a stretch. Mm-hmm. It At it, it first you hear it and you're like, well, the guy averaged almost a double-double last year. How is he supposed to improve on that? He's gotten better every single year he's been here. And last year I don't think, I think he could have been better last year. And that's not, knock against him he was fantastic last year but he missed games with a broken hand missed games even when he was playing in them because he just kind of shut out Mm -hmm. um but as you heard Izzo say I think he said this in there um that motor that we hear so much about trying to just keep it running the entire time um that's that's what's most important this year um, when it comes to Brandon Dawson. Other than, and one thing that I found interesting, I don't know if this made it in there. Um, but Izzo mentioned he's not worried about Brandon Dawson's jump shot. Um, he he thinks that that is kind of secondary to him just playing his game and relying on his athleticism and his quick step and stuff like that. Agree or disagree?
0: Well, I think with the team that they have right now, they don't have many bigs really, so he's going to be asked to play the four a lot. And in that position, he's not going to really get a lot of chances to use that jump shot. So I think at this point he just needs to be serviceable at best, keep defenders somewhat honest at least, And he's going to be looked at as a guy who can go in the post, maybe back some of the smaller guys down, but for the most part, probably attack the rim, play a lot of face up. And I I just don't think he's going to use the jump shot as much as he would in in the system that they ran last year.
2: That's, I think that's very true because he'll, I think he'll be playing more of a natural big man position rather than. He was in some weird spots last year where you didn't know if he was a three, four, what was going on. So I think I I would still like to see him have a better jump shot. Not, like I said, he can still be good in college, but for the next level, and I I expect him to to succeed and thrive at the next level, Um, which is why I think... Just for that, I'm gonna keep harping on the jump shot. I, I understand what coaches are saying, but um that's that's something uh that that definitely needs to
0: Yeah, going back to the scrimmage, he did take a couple of jump shots and it wasn't pretty. No? No, well well first of all, you know, take this with even more of a grain of salt, but when they were warming up for the uh the scrimmage he Uh did airball a couple jump shots Mm -hmm. and you know take it for what you want but it's didn't really look that much improved and even in the press conference he kind of brushed it off saying oh he improved it some you know he he didn't talk about any great leaps or bounds he made in the jump shot so and we kind of I think we kind of talk about it a lot (laughs) (laughs) so maybe it's kind of tough for him to improve it so much based on how much we talk about it but you know I don't really see it making any giant improvements unless he breaks his hand again, probably. Yeah,
2: well, maybe that's the secret. I'll have to go get him some more uh, Dan Dockage film. (laughs) Uh, But uh, one thing that that Izzo talked about in In his statement, in his opening statement, um, he breaks down seniors through freshmen, um, what he expects from all the members of each class, um, what they're going to bring to the table this year and and stuff like that. Uh, Last year, he said, and we talked about this on the podcast, um, he said, uh, Alvin Ellis, good at just about everything. We don't know what he's great at yet. One year later, media day is back (laughs) around. Andrew has some clean underwear on, and Coach Izzo gets to the sophomores. Talks about Gavin Schilling. Uh, I want to play some Gavin Schilling audio here in just a minute um, after we talk about Alvin. um, Because he had some good stuff to say. But talks about Schilling, and then we get to uh, Alvin, and he says... He's good at a lot of things don't know what he's great at yet, which I found fascinating. the fact that a year goes by, and I don't know I would really be interested to know i should I should ask coach this after um I would be interested to know if he knew that he he did that before he came out and said that you know what I mean like he that he was about mm-hmm. to use the exact same words that he uh had said almost exactly one year ago um so. I asked him about that at the press conference, and and this is what he had to say. Elvin,
1: you know, he never put in the extra time until about midway through the summer, and um, and now he's getting a little bit more of the bug, and he's he is improving in areas, and he's when I say he's very solid in a lot of those areas, he is very solid in a lot of those areas. So that means with a little bit more, um, he's capable of starting on this team, and. So I've been very pleased with the fact that uh, for him and Schilling, you know, they've kind of caught the Denzel, Bryn, Travis, Dawson fire, you know, that Dawson didn't have early in his career. And uh, some of it's growth, some of it's maturity, some of it's having some success. Uh, Playing time shouldn't be never the factor because it's hard to get playing time if you aren't doing those things to get the playing time. So I'm not putting the... You know, cart before the horse, putting the horse before the cart. But I think he's going to, uh, going to work out okay. I really think that we see some positive things, and he's going to be a, I think one of the keys to this year's team.
2: That scares me. I, I don't, I don't like that one bit. Especially considering just last week, I'm on here spouting off. Alvin oh, Ellis is going to have yeah. a good year. Blah blah blah. He's blah. your boy. Yeah. As soon as I hook my <laughs> as soon as I hook my cart to this pony, I just get kicked right in the wheel. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the odds? I didn't even realize this until right now. So this this shock and awe that that you hear in my voice is is legitimate. I claim Alvin Ellis is gonna have a big year, and as
0: soon as we get to talking to people who know stuff, this oh. happens. That's that's kind of tough to hear for you. I'm I'm sorry you had to go through that, but, yeah, it's, he said one of those things that really stuck out to me. He said he wasn't in love with the game, and he needed to put more time in, especially I mean, for a guy that has a chance, maybe a little bit more of an outside chance than some other guys, to break into that starting lineup, and you're not in love with the game, you're not putting in all of that effort during the summer, it, it kind of amazes me that he, he just wouldn't. Be the gym rat that he needed to be.
2: Well, and it's so bizarre to me. Maybe it's because he thought he was just going to be in. Maybe it was because Izzo said it would probably be between Alvin Bryn, and before he had gotten injured, it would have been Javon Bess. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't know what would cause that other than he just thought he was going to be in because Gary's, Gary's gone. Now Alvin is kind of the natural choice to be the two or the starting two or three or six man off the bench when Zell or um, Travis is, is tired or are tired. Um, But that, 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 that was frustrating here, really. I mean, you don't, you don't like to hear that a guy. It took him four or five months to say, "Okay, I'm I'm going to start mm-hmm. getting after it now." But I always appreciate the way Izzo phrases those, and he's not afraid to call his guys out for not working. Mm-hmm. And he's not calling them lazy. He's not calling them, you know, bad players. He's just saying, if this guy works harder, he will be better, and. I think it's bad news for Alvin that one year later, his head coach doesn't know what he's great at yet.
0: Mm -hmm. And they said that he really sees him as being a guy that can really develop. He said there's some bright spots when they played him a lot in some games. He played a lot against Michigan, and he did some good things, but he never really, for the rest of the season, you know, besides a couple minutes here and there, he had an extremely small sample size. So he should have... This should have been the off season of Alvin Ellis III mm-hmm. to really step up and show Coach that he could be his guy, that he could count on now that Gary Harris was gone. And now, honestly, hearing what Coach has been saying about Bryn Forbes, I, I think it's pretty much a given now that Forbes is going to be in the starting lineup instead of Ellis.
2: See, my biggest concern, though, is – Coach Izzo talked about Forbes very, very similar to the way that he talked about Kenny Kaminsky at the beginning of last year. Not necessarily with the disaster situation off the court. I think disaster is putting it nicely. Mm -hmm. Um, But just in terms of, and this is reading between the lines and putting it way more blunt than Izzo ever would, it seems like Forbes can't guard.
0: Oh, yeah, I I kind of got that too. He, <laughs> I, I think he, his exact – or roughly his exact words where he wishes it was like football where he could play him on offense and sit him on the bench on defense. That is correct, yeah. That's about as bad as it gets. Yeah,
2: that's that's not a good sign when your coach would straight up like to pull you out of the game <laughs> when you have to go on the defensive end. Um, you should have said, one of the – I was interviewing Travis Trice – I was sitting at the table while somebody else was talking to Travis Trice, and uh, it's, and the the other writer told Travis that that they had said that that coach had said that about Brent, and Travis just laughed at that for a good <laughs> couple minutes, like he, he thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm sure they'll they'll they're still giving him grief for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of scary that uh, that Alvin has not, or Ellis has not progressed the way that I thought he was going to. But um, the one thing I want to move on here so that we have time to talk about our last topic here, um, but one thing, the one takeaway that I had from Media Day as a whole is, first of all, for a team of, what are we at, five new faces, six new faces? Yeah, six new faces, so almost just half a, half a team. Um, they seem very tight-knit, and every almost every single player that I talked to brought up either the words uh, family or tight-knit. That was far and away what everybody was talking about, is how close this group is, which I think is huge. And I also think the fact that there's a familiarity that goes way back between not just um, Bryn Forbes and Denzel Valentine and Travis Trice and actually the more I think about it, Bryn Forbes, Travis Trice, Denzel Valentine, um, Brandon Dawson, all four of those guys have been playing together in one way or another since... High school, mm-hmm. so that's and some of them even further back, so that's a huge thing that's going to help this team out. You've also got from the freshmen, Tum Tum and Marvin Clark, those two mm-hmm. boys from way back. So you have kind of this, they're all new faces, but at the same time, they seem very familiar with each other because they've all been together before. So that was one thing that was very impressive, and then just the the feeling that I got from the freshman was really cool and very different than last year. I don't know what the difference is. Um, one thing I think part of it is there's so much up in the air for this team. They don't have the same type of Adrian Payne's going to score just about every day. Keith Appling is one of the best point guards in the league. This is all preseason from last mm-hmm. year talk. Uh, Brandon Dawson is an absolute freak and is going to have a monster year. Um, you know, you kind of had those superstars last year, whereas this year everybody seems to be fairly on the same plane mm-hmm. except for Brandon Dawson, who is, is for good reason on a different level than mm-hmm. than everybody else. Um but I think it gave the freshmen the opportunity to feel like they can step in and have a big role right away um and And that was kind of the feeling that I got from all of them was uh, yeah, like they're just excited to be here and and get this team back to where it was and try to have there be as little hangover as possible, which is exactly how you want your freshmen to to act. Mm-hmm to want to step in immediately and say, hey, there's no years off. There's no rebuilding year. We're going to get right back to where we were last year and do better than we did last year. And that's that was the biggest sense that I got from the team, which was just awesome to see. So now we're going to play a little game of best-case scenario, worst-case scenario uh, with the season starting here soon. About two weeks from our from Michigan State's first regular season game at Navy, where we will be reporting live. Mm. Um, Best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, what you think is going to happen. We're going to run through uh, Michigan State's finish in the Big Ten. Michi- Michigan State's finish in the Big Ten regular season. Uh, Michigan State's finish in the top 25 Michigan State's ranking for uh, the NCAA tournament and what round of the NCAA tournament Michigan State will be booted. So hopefully I can remember those five things before we end here. Blake, uh, I would first like you to give me your best case scenario, worst case scenario, your scenario for where Michigan State finishes in the Big Ten?
0: Well, I think for best-case scenario, in the regular season, I'm going to separate it between regular season and tournament because I think those are kind of very different things. Right. Best-case scenario, I can see Michigan State finishing second in the league behind Wisconsin, but I just think there is no way, even best-case scenario, that this team is going to pull ahead of Wisconsin for a whole season. Worst-case scenario... Things could get ugly, defense would look bad, young players don't step up, and we finish, let's go with sixth in the league. I don't see us falling any more than that based on just all the talent that we have and, and the teams below us too, a combination of that. I think six is probably our bottom and two is our ceiling. But for the tournament, the best case scenario, we could win it all. Those players could all come together at the right time. We saw it happen last year where we kind of stumbled through injuries through the second half of the Big Ten season, dropped a lot of games. But when that tournament hit, it was like a light went off and we beat everybody by double digits. And it was a completely different team finally realizing its potential. And I could see it going that same way this year, best-case scenario. Worst-case scenario, obviously, losing the first round, which – if we're going worst case scenario here might bring them to a very high seed or low seed i guess you would call it in the national tournament but that's kind of skipping ahead for you right. so best case scenario win it all loose ca- worst case first round exit
2: all right well okay so you didn't give me though in those in those two so for regular season and tournament where do you think Michigan State is going to finish?
0: So my actual thought right. of where they're going to finish. Yes. Okay, I think they're probably going to finish third in the Big Ten Okay. Uh, behind o- Ohio State in Wisconsin Okay. because I've heard a lot of good things about Ohio State's recruiting class. Their only problem could be if they can score, but we're not the Ohio State beat writers, so we don't know any, everything. Correct. So in the tournament, I honestly can't – I don't think this team is going to win – win at all. I think maybe a semi-final uh, loss is where they're going to end up which at that point will help them based on where I think they're going to be at that time. It'll help them going into the national tournament with their seeding. Alright. Um, for me for the regular season I
2: think Michigan State best case scenario finishes oof, I think they'll finish tops Top's a three seed. Um, I think this team is going to have a lot of growing pains. Their schedule is not easy. Coaches, I'll mention this, and uh, I think this was in the audio. Um, Got to play some some top tier schools on the road only once. Um, Got to play Nebraska, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Only playing Wisconsin once. On the road in the Kohl Center frustrates me to no end, because that's like cheating. They are so good in the Kohl Center, and mm-hmm. like that is that is a massive, massive problem, um, and something that we can we will save for another day when there's not so much previewing to do. Um, but the current setup for the Big Ten schedule with 14 teams, not just for the regular season but also for the tournament, is very screwed up. And it needs to be fixed pretty quick because um, there are some issues with it. And number one being two years in a row Michigan State has to play Wisconsin mm-hmm. on the road once at, like I said, on the road at the Kohl Center. So uh, Michigan State, I think, tops will finish third. Uh, worst they'll fall, I'm saying worst-case scenario being uh, – Brandon Dawson gets injured first game of the regular season, and mm. uh, Denzel Valentine tears his ACL or something like mm. that. That's I'm talking oh. like fire and brimstone, worst case scenario. Oh. Uh, Michigan State finishes. I still think they would squeak out like a 10. Um, Whoa. That's 10 out of 14. Um, I don't think they're going to be worse than Rutgers, Northwestern. Um, Penn State, I mean, there's there's still some very bad teams that Michigan State can be better than at their worst. Um, so I think somewhere between 3 and 10, I think they'll probably end up 4 or 5 realistically at the end of the regular season. Like I said, this is just such a young team and there's going to be so many growing pains, and that's one thing that Izzo talked about at Media Day is there is going to be... There's going to need to be some patience. Um, That being said, I think even with a 4 or 5 seed, Michigan State, best-case scenario, will win this tournament. Um, Mm -hmm. Worst-case scenario, I think with a 4 or 5 seed, they'd still – I think they'd win their first-round matchup. Worst-case scenario, they get bounced in the second round. Um, But I don't see them losing a first-round matchup. In December, after this team has had a chance to get their players together, get kind of gelling and stuff like that, uh, realistically, I think Michigan State will lose in the championship of the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Um, they will lose to Wisconsin, and I will be very upset um, because I I really don't like Bo Ryan. No, so. that's and you don't try to hide it either. No, I can't. Uh, oh. It's that it's that good. <laughs> Burning disdain. Uh, okay. So that's. So where am I at now? If, okay. Big 10 tournament, right? Big 10 regular season. So now, uh, where will Michigan State. Okay. Let me actually, let me change this real quick. Will Michigan State touch the top five this season?
0: No. Okay. No chance. <laughs> I'm saying top 10 is even. A stretch for this team. Okay. I would say best-case scenario in the polls, um, maybe 13 or 14 if they get Jalen, okay. and that'll be at the end of the season. I can't see that happening any time before then, especially with how brutal their non-conference is to right. start
2: the year. Um, okay. First of all, now that you've brought up uh, your uh, the, the uh, non-conference and I'm talking about that good, warm disdain... Uh, I am absolutely thrilled that Michigan State pulled Notre Dame in the Big <laughs> Ten ACC Challenge because this is a bit of a tangent here. Uh, I just wrote a blog piece. It didn't end up on uh, on the impact, but for just for myself, uh, I wrote a, a piece about how happy I am that Michigan drove a stake into Michigan State's field last Sunday or Saturday because – I was, like, this close to feeling pity for Michigan. Like, I almost had some humanity towards them. And then they did that, and I was like, oh, yes, I get to hate you all over again. I can hold on to this for, like, ten more years. Like, I had almost gotten tired of making fun of Mike Hart. Almost. Mm. That'll never get old, by the way. Oh, I loved hearing that. Because I imagine Mike Hart sitting at home just like, stupid, stupid, Mm. stupid. Why did you open your mouth? six out of seven or five out of six, whatever it's been since he said that. Oh, it just warms. Uh but yeah, that's fantastic. I cannot wait for that game. We had we had mentioned or we had talked about maybe trying to go to that game. I don't think I should go to that game. If <laughs> <laughs> we we might just have to send you because I I can't I, to to be a basic white girl, I literally can't even. Like I, I just cannot imagine sitting still for forty minutes of a f- basketball game against the University of Notre Dame. Why? It would. I would just. I would be angry, or I would be just so excited, or giddy, or I. I just. I can't stand that place, uh, and because I can't get this hatred out watching Michigan State play them in football, it's now just pent up, and it's all going to come out during mm. the basketball. Oh, okay. And it's going to be obscenities everywhere and blood and guts, to quote Steve Smith. Uh, it It's just going to be bad. its uh, I can't wait, though. Like I said, mm-hmm. that's that good, warm hatred that keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, where were we? Oh, yeah, Michigan State's top 25 finish. Um, you said 12 to 13, they're probably not going to get top five unless something insane happens and they survive. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is if they, if Michigan state can get out of, uh, the Orlando classic where they would have to possibly play. Marquette, Kansas, Marquette and Kansas would be the two biggest there. Mm-hmm. If they could survive that tournament um, and really get to, if they can get to Big Ten regular season play with, mm, let's say, three losses, that's pretty good. I think that's worst-case scenario right there. Because that would be probably Duke, Notre Dame, and then Marquette or Kansas. Those are three very losable games for Michigan State. But, like I said, that's worst-case scenario. I, well, really worst-case scenario would be four losses because you have one more in there that's just unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Um. So... And the other sneaky one is Oakland because they always play us tough, which is it's, the weirdest thing oh, ever.
0: Was a four-point game last year? Something like that. I don't know.
2: Every year it's like that, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I think four four losses through there's through that stretch before Big Ten play would be the worst thing that could happen. Um, but I think once Big Ten season starts to roll around. Michigan State fortunately plays their first two games at home, uh, which is huge. They have a nice, huge, long uh, home stand that lasts about a month. Actually, it lasts almost exactly a month. Mm-hmm. Starts December sixth, goes all the way until um, January fifth. So, big, long stretch for them to not really have to to worry about too much of the road hostility and stuff like that let them just get their their young legs under them and figuring out how to gel together Um, and then taking it on the road. Um, But I'm going to go with the highest they'll see in the top 25 is 8. I'm going Hmm. with 8, partially because that's where the football team's at right now and it's the first number that popped into my head. All right. and i could just i could see them sneaking up in there um especially if they could get some big road wins uh at nebraska um, at michigan would be would be huge they have a nice little or they have a tough little stretch where they go at michigan at illinois actually let me go back one more game against ohio state at home then they go to michigan they go to champaign to play uh university of illinois they play back at home in Minnesota or back at home against Minnesota and then they travel to Wisconsin. Uh, that's all middle of February to beginning of March. That stretch right there would be where they jump mm-hmm. for real. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if they will, but we're talking best case scenario here, so I'm that's what I'm sticking with. Uh I think they'll probably finish out the year somewhere about where you said probably twelve four twelve to fourteen seed. Um Not for the tournament, but in the top 25. Tournament time, I'll go first this time. Uh, I could see Michigan State sneaking in. Worst case scenario, they're going to be a 13 seed. Um, Best case scenario, I would say a four seed realistically they're gonna be a seven or eight I think, which is exactly where I hate to be I'd rather be a ten than an eight all or than an eight almost um six seed would be primo I really like when Michigan state's sitting right in that five to seven slot I don't know why, but they just seem to play better from there um mm-hmm. but yeah I think that'll be. Yeah, they'll be right around 7 to 10. I think that's that's where, where they'll end up for the tournament.
0: Yeah, for me, I think worst-case scenario, I can see them falling to a 12 seed because after that, it's kind of rare to see the at-larges get a 13 or higher. It's usually that's a true. lot of the smaller yep. conference champions. So I think if they don't get a 12 seed, then they just wouldn't make it. But I really can't see unless everything goes wrong. Right. That they would miss the tournament, even just on the name itself, that, that gets them halfway there. Well, that's there.
2: the thing. is you The the Izzo bump is so powerful, and mm-hmm. it's so, like, when they, I forget what year that was, that they were really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, they got, I, for, the only thing I remember about that is, uh, I believe they were a 10 seed, they got bounced by UCLA in the first round. Um, yeah, that year, they had no business being in the mm-hmm. tournament. I admitted that from the start, but. It's almost tough to not put a Tom Izzo team in there exactly. because he's usually going to win one game.
0: Exactly. That's exactly what the committee thinks. They look at Michigan State, and they'll be like, this is one of those teams. All you have to do is put them in, and they could make a special run, mm-hmm. So, and you just cannot leave them out, even if there are a lot of maybe smaller schools that had a better, way better season than them. Michigan State's just a team that you can't leave out. So I think worst-case scenario, they'll still make the tournament as a 12 seed, and best-case scenario if if they make that run through the tough part of the schedule at the end of the year, like we talked about, and then they make, they win the conference tournament, I could see them jumping all the way up to a three seed at the highest. And not that is really very highly <laughs> unlikely. Don't get your hopes up for that one. But I think at the end of the day, they are going to end up as a five seed, which okay. is in my opinion literally the worst seed you can be in the awful. tournament which scares me a lot yeah and nobody likes being a 5 seed Ugh. you just dread it there's so many 12 seeds that go i mean i th- i think if you probably look at the breakdown of wins lost between 5 and 12 seeds i would put some good money on it that maybe the 12 seeds win more games
2: i would guess that it's at least 50-50 mm-hmm and i don't even think that's much of a stretch it's but, it's
0: just so weird for for, well, th- for some reason that seed
2: well it's like you said that so many of the uh the conference champions from the from the smaller from the uh smaller leagues they end up right in that 12 area especially the better teams according to the committee so that's where you get some of that screwiness of okay these guys didn't have very high RPI or play anybody important so we don't really know how good they are so let's throw them in a 12 seed and then let them figure it out then they come out against a an average you know big school and just surprise the heck out of them and and that, I think that's where the the magic of the 12 seed lies is the fact that these guys won their conference but their conference just wasn't very good, mm-hmm. so you can't give them a very high seed because there's teams that have played tougher competition. Anyway, um, where does Michigan State get bounced this year? Best case, worst case, your case.
0: Best case scenario, I could see them getting bounced in the Elite Eight, kind of the same run where they just get super hot. Denzel Valentine's going off for Twenty-eight and seven a game, and Brandon Dawson's motor is through the roof. uh And they make it to the Elite Eight. Worst case scenario, I could see them getting into that. Kind of weird saying this, but like part of the other best case scenario was them, or my average scenario was them getting a five seed. And I think worst case scenario, they could get bounced by one of those upset teams right. in the first round. But then that team making a very impressive run, so Mm -hmm. our loss doesn't look as bad. But I think, realistically, they'll probably get bounced in the Sweet 16. It seems like the first two games are usually very winnable, especially if they get into that upper tier of seeds, which we think they will. I think Sweet 16 is very likely for them.
2: (sighs) This is so hard to do. This one especially, Mm -hmm. because... This is the kind of call that I would rather make after I can see, like, a month of progression to see how quickly we're going to progress or regress as it goes on. Uh, I'm going to go with best case scenario, Final Four. Um, that sounds ridiculous, but I think, I really do think, I honestly, I... I in, I love the freshman class this year. Um, the fact that they Javon Best and Marvin Clark are just big dudes. They're they look they have college bodies already mm-hmm. and I think that's really impressive. The fact that Tum Tum has come out and just impressed everybody with his attitude, I think that's a huge deal. Even if he doesn't immediately contribute on the court, this sounds silly and it's something that I, I really don't much care for saying usually but it 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 holds true sometimes he seems like the kind of guy that that breeds that worth work ethic in the locker room i think the contributions from the freshmen this year and their willingness to to make this program continue to work are huge um so that's why i go final four i think worst case scenario i'm still gonna say round of 32 Um, just for the ISO bump, um, I think he'll get them playing well enough to win one game, assuming nothing awful goes on, injuries mostly. Uh, so there's that, and then, what's really gonna happen? I think they'll lose in the Elite Eight, um obviously there's so much that would go on between now and then to make all of those predictions about the tournament. The tournament is hard to predict a week before
0: it starts. It's hard to predict during it.
2: Right. And and we're trying to call it like 6 months before. Yeah. So that's why I'm just throwing out numbers here realistically. I I hope I hit something mm-hmm. cuz hey, you want a blind squirrel sometimes um So there's that, but uh,
0: God, it's good to have basketball back. It feels so good. Uh, Uh,
2: Baseball uh. ended tonight. stupid Giants won, stupid Hunter Pence with his one batting glove. (laughs) Did you play baseball? Of course I did. When did you start wearing one batting or two batting gloves or no batting gloves?
0: Oh, I can't even remember. It was probably when I was in, I don't know, when everybody else started doing it, fourth grade, something like that.
2: I'll be honest. When I was younger, like nine, ten years old, uh, I used to wear one batting glove because I was stupid. Oh. I was oh okay, no, no, no. Like, let me let me clarify this. And a lot of people did because you're stupid. You're a little kid. You're thinking, oh, like I get a stinger and it only it comes up through the bottom of the bat, so that's why I only need the bottom one. No, that's not how it works. It's not in golf. You're not like you're wearing them. You're wearing them because it hurts your hands really bad, no matter what. But you're just wearing them to protect them a little bit. Why wouldn't you put one on your top hand? Or take them off. Take them off and pee on your hands like, a, like an adult. Um, but, yeah, we got that going on. NBA started yesterday, too, mm-hmm. so that's exciting. Derek Rose played his first game today, um, and his knee did not explode. Hey. So Bulls are off to a rip-roaring you. start. I am just jacked. But uh, oh, it's good to be back. It's good to not speculate quite as much. We didn't have to do what would coaches do today because we had real, actual yeah. news to talk about, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. So we'll keep it going. Um, we'll be back next week. We missed so much stuff to talk about today. We could have made this about a six-hour podcast.
0: Oh, I would have loved it. Uh, but it's
2: already the wee hours of the morning, and uh, I should probably wake up at some point tomorrow. So yeah. we're gonna cut it right there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at izonehaze twenty two. Follow Blake Froling at B Froling, and uh, we will see you next week. And go green. I just hope that recorded because I realized. No